Hello and welcome to Affable Chat. My name is Benjamin and this is Joey. Hey, how's it going? And today we're talking about the highly anticipated blockbuster conclusion to the MCU, Avengers Endgame. From here on out, spoilers. Spoilers! That's right. Spoilers! If you haven't seen the movie yet, you cannot listen to this podcast. Go see it. And then come back and listen. Everyone else has seen it. This is a superhero movie. Directed by Anthony and Joe Russo. The cast includes Metal Muchacho, Patriot Lad, Rotund God, Intellectual Bodybuilder, Captain Feminism, Comedy Insect Man, King Cat, Web Boy, Benedict Brothers Magic Corp, Vengeful Robin Hood, Chris Crimson Sorceress, and One Super Sour Grape. I watched this movie in theaters. Joey, how'd you see it? I also watched it in theaters. And I know that people recommended, or I just saw online there's recommended to see this movie in IMAX because there's actually like more of the screen that you don't get to see in the normal theater. So unfortunately, I didn't get to do that. But um, if you haven't seen it yet, maybe you should consider it because they uh, it's the ideal way to see Endgame. Also, I saw it twice. How many times have you seen it, Joey? I saw it twice, too. I saw it on opening night, and then I saw it a couple days later. I saw it on the Saturday morning, which on the last podcast I mentioned, I had to go on internet lockdown for a couple of days. But <laughs> it, uh, the, I, I knew I had to see it twice, because the first time I saw it, it was to see what happened, and the second time was to see how it happened. You know mm. what I mean? Because I, yes. <laughs> I was just so it, it was just so highly anticipated. So uh, definitely worth the second viewing. Joey, go ahead and give us the synopsis. Nobody loves the MCU more than the MCU. So, of course, they went back in time to visit all their favorite moments. Yes, that is what happens in Avengers Endgame. Let's get right into it. Let's start with our pros. And I think this is just an epic conclusion uh this i mean we've waited so long for this movie i mean this pair of movies really but uh with infinity war but also just the wait between infinity war and this this is a truly epic conclusion there were some meaningful deaths in here obviously uh some huge repercussions from those deaths and kind of the changing of the guard for the mcu there's absolutely amazing breathtaking action there are scenes in this movie that are just absolutely glorious that give you that feeling like it's the reason why we show up to see movies to see a spectacle like we see in this film and it and i in, in my opinion this movie holds up to the massive expectations that were placed upon it yes i uh, completely agree with that i mean this really is an epic cl- conclusion in the like appropriate sense of the word you know epic is thrown around a lot but when you think of epic as in like an epic like a, like homer's iliad or the odyssey or something something that it's like a very long and like drawn out story that has many different chapters to it Yes, this is absolutely an, an appropriate end to an epic, epic story. Um, so yeah, just like you said, really, really awesome action. That's it's exciting, it's fun, and there's actually like unbelievably high stakes, but they feel like you can actually grasp grasp them. If that actually makes any sense, like normally you're like, oh, we're gonna take over the world, or the whole universe is gonna implode. It's like, what does that mean? But this movie kind of like makes that more real and makes you kind of understand what that means. And that um, like really brings you in. Uh, it really makes you feel like everything's on the line. Um, and the hero, the heroes all kind of progress in a natural and fun way, which is also fun. Some of the things I didn't like, um, 
I thought I feel like this movie is a little self-indulgent. Um, and the like the other thing is that there's kind of a big asterisk on this in that it's not actually the end of the MCU. And is there a theme? It seems like there is. Not sure. Well, I'm sure we'll get to the bottom of that by the end of this episode. Some of the things I didn't like, I could have had a few more deaths, honestly. I expected to see the slate wiped a little bit cleaner to get a fresher start on the next stage of whatever the MCU is going to be. Uh, I mean, obviously, we had some very meaningful deaths in here, but... Could have had more. I I was expecting. <laughs> I was honestly expecting my Avengers to be dying left and right. So yeah, decimated. That's like a personal con, but I think they had the opportunity to do that, and they kind of wimped out of it. Um, also, the way that Ant Man re-enters the like normal world, like the way he exits the what do they call it? The micro the quantum realm. The quantum realm. The micro world. <laughs> micro machines. <laughs> The way that, yeah, the way he leaves the quantum realm is so convenient that a rat happens to walk across the... The rat is the greatest Avenger, Ratman. Haven't you heard the tale of Ratman? <laughs> he better get some credit because nothing would have happened in this film without him. So, also, way to assume his gender, Joey. What if it's Rat Woman? <laughs> <laughs> but have you seen this movie? There's hardly any women in it. <laughs> that, we'll, we'll talk about that too. But okay, that's our pros and our cons. Now, let's move on to our overall Joey. Take it away. Wow. Um, wow. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> somehow, somehow, Marvel does it again. They succeed in wrapping up their epic franchise with an ending that is appropriately fun, high stakes, and super intense. Um, there's so much to love about it. And as someone who's been to the theaters and seen every single Marvel movie, uh, many of them more than once, it really hits every beat, every callback perfectly and ends with something that's just so satisfying. And like, there's like sitting back here and having seen it, you know, a week ago. It's like, is there anything I would have changed? Is there anything I want to different? It's really hard like, to say. Like, I feel like they just absolutely nailed it. Um, and this movie is meant to be a conclusion, and it is both with its plot and its motifs. See, throughout, there's this kind of theme of passing the torch. Like in the very beginning, when Captain Marvel discovers Tony and Nebulous floating in space, um, she like comes in and rescues them. It's kind of signifying like, oh, the torch is being passed. She's rescuing our heroes now, um, and she's going to rescue people in the future. There's a new class of hero that will be carrying the torch from now on. Similarly, at the end, when uh, Cap gives his shield to Sam, it's kind of the same kind of idea. And when Thor passes the mantle of ruler of Asgard to Valkyrie, you know, this is reinforced. Um, but... Oh, yeah, the end. Okay, so the very end when they have the gigantic fight between the forces of good and the forces of evil, I was, I mean, it was so awesome. It just really got to me. So, it, so epic. Oh my gosh. It, it was just so amazing seeing everyone together, the forces of good facing, like coming to head to head with the forces of evil. You see all those things come up, you know, Doctor Strange's big, uh, sp- uh, what's it called? Yellow sparkly things. That's what. Um, that's Spider-Man what they're called them. yeah yeah <laughs> and like you see everyone walking out it's just like oh it, like it really got me right in the heart it was so it was so sweet it was just so satisfying seeing all that together and it was but at the same time it's a little self-indulgent i think like i i feel very conflicted like i love the part where captain america picks up thor's hammer right and he's like swinging around and destroying thanos and stuff but at the same time like the back of my head i'm like this is so fan service, you know, just we want to see Thanos get beat up by, by Captain America with the hammer. Like it's so, it's just, it's just so perfect that it makes me like, like kind of cringe a little bit. Does that make sense? Well, I don't know because it, it, I didn't see it coming. 
I remember it's it's a definitely a callback to this was in Age of Ultron, right? Where yeah. Captain America attempts to lift. How do you say it? I can never say it. Moldner. Molnir. Molnir. Find out right now. Molnir. Because this is also, I mean, it was also the name of the armor that Master Chief wears. For is it really for all my Halo fans out there? Yeah, Molnir armor Mark Seven was the Mjolnir. 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 Oh, like. Inspector Mjolnir, Mjolnir. from the Mjolnir. Russia investigation. <laughs> <laughs> Inspector? <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot. It's detective, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to Apple Chat, your favorite political podcast. Today we're talking about Mjolnir. the Mjolnir investigation. <laughs> the Mjolnir report. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. Okay, but getting back to it. I mean, they definitely built towards that. I think it would be pure fan service if it was just out of the blue. They're like, what if Captain America... It is still, smashed- st- it's still fan service, though. Oh, no, you you're right. Okay, I'm sorry. bring it back. I'm sorry. It, yeah, there's a lot of fan service in this movie, but I think this movie is a good counter-argument towards fan service just being bad. I think this movie works towards that fan service and earns it. And this is one of those things that they earned because it did budge last time Captain America moved it. My only question, and, I, and this isn't necessarily that I'm like disproving or anything, is what did Captain America do between then and now that now makes him worthy i don't know what what does worthy even mean you know at, at, at one point thor is not worthy but now he's fat and lazy and he eats too much and drinks too much craft beer and now he's still worthy like what exactly does it worthy mean yeah it, it's nice to know that you are worthy that's very satisfying <laughs> but you're right what's it, it is kind of nebulous and vision was worthy too he had the hammer but that like, that was the whole callback was like, that was the whole point of that callback in that movie, right? They obviously, they, they call it back to this, which is, again, very satisfying. But I think you do bring up a good point. Like, the fan service, like, it is clearly fan service, but that's kind of the point of these movies, is to, like, give the fans what they want. And I guess maybe because the last one, it, it ended so, like, solemnly with, like, it's, it was like, oh, no, what's going to happen? Oh, no, like, everyone's dead. Like, to have this one end in, like, the perfect happy ending is like almost jarring in its own way so but i don't know i mean it's exactly what you expect you expect thanos to be defeated you expect it to go down in epic fashion and everything and i i mean i can't say they didn't pull it off because they do pull it off but this is one of my problems is that it's like it's just so perfect which i maybe that maybe i'm outgrowing the mcu at this point you know well i don't know i mean what do you mean because it, I felt like there were definitely, uh, well, there were a certain amount of stakes. Uh, well, at the I, end, well, after they, okay, after he snap, after Hulk snaps his fingers, right? Yeah, I don't know. Like they bomb the thing and everything, but everybody gets out. You know, no one's like in danger. Okay. At all. Yes, actually, that's one of my biggest critiques. Is like again because I thought more characters are gonna die. I totally expected Ant Man to die when the bombs landed because look how close he was to a bomb exploding like it's him a window and then a bomb right outside they can't kill people like that though they have to have an they have to have like a epic like oh my last words oh like i'm i'm dying yeah it's like oh by the way like the thing that completes my arc just happened right before this but like it's not (laughs) and and the thing is it's not game of thrones is is the thing and like uh, even though we're as invested in these characters as a lot of people are in the game of thrones characters it's a different universe it it doesn't there aren't those brutal sudden deaths for our main characters which i know and 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 wanting that from this you're going to be disappointed every time uh but it it was a little disappointing that 
Thanos was able to unleash this hellfire, and everyone's to- like not totally fine, but pretty much fine in the end. Yeah, fine. well, no, pretty much everyone's fine. Like nobody gets hurt from that. At least none of our main characters. I'm sure there's tons of Wakandans get wiped out, just like in the last movie. Um, yeah, but I mean, the the whole thing with like Thanos being snapped away and everything, like, is that really the like? It does feel like poetic justice, obviously, but is that really the kind of conclusion that we're building to exactly? You know, like it's not like some epic fight or whatever. It's, it's uh, like, you know, it's not one final punch to the face. It's, he's kind of fades away into the, into the night. What? No, I totally disagree. I think that like the stealing the, the infinity stones while he didn't know was awesome. I totally, I didn't expect him to die right there. I expected the battle to continue. So, I mean, it, I, I think my thing that I'm a little bit uh, left wanting more is they didn't really, they didn't necessarily prove Thanos wrong or or show him that mm. they were a more righteous cause than him. Thanos died thinking that he had been defeated, but not necessarily proven wrong. They didn't say having us all alive is better than your vision for the universe, Thanos. It's that yeah, but he, we overpowered you. Yeah, but he they do kind of prove him wrong when they bring him back to the future, right? They kind of he they prove that. Hey, like him destroying half the universe just makes everyone miserable. It doesn't actually solve anything. That's true. I guess he does change his plan to destroying all life and rebuilding it, basically becoming God of all creation. Which should have been his plan in the first place. Yeah. (laughs) But how much, how much would that destroy your arm to kill everyone (laughs) and then, (laughs) and then rebuild literally everything? I have no idea. I mean, that's not, I don't know. I don't know how to explain that either. Hey, Thanos didn't know how much the Infinity Gauntlet was going to host his shoulder when he uh <laughs> when he was coming up at that new plan yeah i don't know okay the other thing that i that i felt like was a little bit like maybe too on the nose a little bit too made me kind of cringe a little bit was uh tony after tony dies i, I thought iron man's death was really appropriate really awesome and, and actually was a little bit different than those classic like oh i'm dying epically kind of moments because he kind of like he's so exhausted and like worn out from that he can like barely speak and then he like fades away and his little uh, his little thing turns off right thing on his chest turns off yeah it's like very appropriate um so I, I thought that was really great the only thing i didn't like about it was tom holland weeping over him like it was so like it was so like, oh, have you seen the last movie and like how everyone loved that one part where you die epically? Like, why don't we do that again? Why don't we have you like emote like over the top in front of you know everyone? Basically, <laughs> okay, based on the way you're coming at this, I, I think I might already know the answer to this question. But did you cry at this movie? No, uh, no, but I, I was, I was close. I was close when uh, Captain America is standing on the hill by himself. And then they open up the thing and everybody walks through. I was like, oh, that's, that part really got me. Oh, but I didn't cry. that's cool. Well, I, because per- personally, nothing makes my eyes well up like Iron Man or Spider-Man watching the other one die. It's <laughs> <laughs> a very specific thing. <laughs> yeah. If you want me to cry, show me either one of those. But... I get, I get where you're coming from because it's definitely, it's like a little bit too on the nose, but it worked for me. That was, I didn't, I didn't actually have even a single solitary tear roll down my cheek, but that was where I got the most emotional was seeing okay. uh, Spider Man or Peter Parker's reaction to what Iron Man had just done. I mean, it's a climax of the movie, right? So they're gonna get you with that one. Uh, but so that's that's the way I felt about it. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, you're not wrong. I mean, that it does, it's, it's warranted, it is earned, but I was not, 
I was not invested in it. I was too outside of the movie at that point. I was too much like, oh, how, I've seen this before, and they're just hamming it up. So I don't know. I didn't. I wasn't convinced. I I do. I don't know. It, it they did run into a point where it's like they have to get everyone to get their last word in with Tony too. Yeah. Where it's like, all right, let's process to the dying superhero, <laughs> yeah. which and we're in form a line, <laughs> right? And, and and that did feel like it, I would have been fine with just Spider-Man being there to see him die. Sure. But instead they're like, Oh, we got to get his wife in here. You know, FaceTime yeah. his daughter. Uh, you know, let's <laughs> <laughs> like Superman call in from the other universe to like right, pay right. his condolences. Where's that kid from the third movie? Why doesn't he call in? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but no, overall, I mean, overall, I felt like they did a really good job on it. Overall, I agree. The The good outweighs the bad, for sure. Mm-hmm. And it is a very fitting conclusion, I think. Um, and like, I mean, this is a this is a decade of films and somehow they didn't fall on its face. I feel like that alone is like already such an achievement. Oh, yes. And but but to make it actually like really entertaining, really great the whole time. Again, like I it's really hard to say anything bad about this. I certainly could never do something this amazing um unfortunately like the movies will continue to be made right and then like in less than 30 years they're probably going to remake all of these again and then it's all going to kind of cheapen the ending here but for now and until captain marvel 2 comes out well this will still be like such a true achievement something truly amazing isn't it amazing that we got to experience this like do you think this will ever happen at this point again i don't think so i think everything similar to this that happens from now on will be derivative of this people yeah. will say oh wow they did it almost as good as avengers or they're doing it just like avengers you know because yeah, yeah. I, I think this is definitely a format that other people are going to try to recreate and They've already it, tried and yeah and i mean obviously dc's trying but even non-superhero movies if you want to even call them non-superhero movies because the characters are definitely superheroes but the uh fast and furious series it's it's the same kind of thing where you can yeah. build this universe and if you continue to build like make your characters dynamic and make them do different things keep pushing the limits you can create an amazing universe like this marvel has proven that that's possible yeah and i mean it's it's just a labor of love really you know they started slow they started with just a couple of things and then they bought it together and then they brought in more things and brought that together it's just like it's such a methodical and like well-paced thing. And I mean, it's, I mean, it's 22 movies that add to this, you know, franchise and it just fits so perfectly. I mean, it's just a, a masterclass in planning, but also like this movie kind of proves it that like it's really service to the fans. You know, it's listening to the fans. It's giving them what they want. And in the end, you're rewarded 10 times over. It's just incredible. Right. And I see how so many like, because of the prevalence of this film, everyone's talking about it. I had to, I've interacted with a lot of normies talking about this movie. And, What's a normie? Well, maybe a normie isn't the right word for it, but like, I don't know, cinematic casuals okay. where they'll, it's like, did you see Infinity War? And either answer is no, which casual, or their answer is yes, I saw it, but it was stupid. And then you're like, really? and it's like, that's your, I, I heard, I've interacted with two different people over the okay. last week who made the argument that Endgame wasn't worth seeing or it was overhyped because Infinity War was stupid. That was both of their arguments. And they couldn't really elaborate on it more than just, I saw it and I didn't like it. But mm. I, I think that that's just objectively not true. Like, there's so much... <laughs> there's, And obviously, everyone's entitled to their own opinion. I'm not saying that's not true. But, like, you... you the amount of planning that goes into this film, like if if you were to make the argument that this is stupid, then 
there's so many other movies that also have to be in that category of stupid because it's it's a masterpiece of what they've yeah. put together here over the last is it 11 years confirmed is so. that the number um so yeah i so yeah, iron man came out in 2008 so yeah so it, I don't know. It, it, you got to have a better reason than that for not liking it. I know that the just superhero genre does make a lot of people roll their eyes just out of the out of the gates. That's what's so amazing is that like you feel like the bubble should have burst by now, and I feel like it. I still feel like it's about to happen, but it keeps expanding, and and that's a big part because Marvel takes such good care of its franchise. Not like hardly any of their movies are flops. None of them like you know. None of them don't deliver on their promise. You know, it's always something entertaining. And I mean, you can say that there's a formula to each one and there kind of is, you know, there's like jokes and quips and stuff, but they change up the things inside them. They change up the component parts to make it a little different, to make it feel different so that you're kind of, you're not just watching a superhero movie, you're watching a spy thriller or a buddy comedy or whatever. You know, it, they do a lot of like playing with the genre, which, um, you know, you have to do if you want to keep people invested. I'm even, I'm guilty of this too throughout the last 11 years where I'm like, yeah, I know that they like follow formula, but I just like superheroes and I'm wrong. They, they do. If you, there's some that can be similar, some, but each movie has its own particular tone, especially because the people who are making them aren't always the same people. And, uh, but even though they're, they're have like different directors, it feels like the characters are consistent. And I think that's, what's important is that you, you feel like after a while you get to really know these people, uh, who are in this film. And, and, and that's, for me, one of my favorite parts is just the characters, because at this point I know that people are like, Oh, you know, Hawkeye, who cares? But really, if you watch these movies, you've seen pretty much everyone do a few different things. And it really makes you feel connected to them. And when they show up, you're like, oh, I know that one. That's, that's my <laughs> guy, you know? And, uh, and it's what keeps, it keeps us coming back. So, I mean, okay, let's, let's talk about, in my opinion, the main character of this movie, if you can okay. even say that this movie has one, is Iron Man. I mean, what an epic arc he's had. He went from being this billionaire playboy genius who sells weapons uh to someone who realizes what those the cost of those weapons on humanity and and has this real guilt and then witnessing thanos finding out that there are forces out there that are way more powerful and feeling like the weight of the at least the world if not more is on him to protect them from those things he feels like he's the only one who can do that and then to I mean, to create uh, Ultron and to, to have to deal with the consequences of that and feel like it's really his fault all the way to basically saving the universe. Yeah. He's like, honestly, dude, he's like one of the greatest humans of all time in the MCU because <laughs> he is. He's just a human. And that's what's freaking awesome. I, yeah. That's one of my favorite aspects of him. I mean, he's not quite as like not a superhero as maybe Batman is because Batman, even though he also uses tech to give himself like kind of superpowers. Part of Batman's identity is that he's not a superhero. Right. right? And he's like, he hangs out with superhero individuals, but he's not a superhero. Right. And and then kind of the same thing is true for Iron Man, but like his intelligence is like out of this world. He's just like, Oh, let me just spend a couple hours on time travel and totally figure it out. (laughs) Oh yeah. Why didn't I think of this before? (laughs) Right. So like that aspect, I think he's definitely a superhero. I, I think Batman, has that lays claim to that not a superhero superhero thing but altogether tony stark just such a compelling superhero and to have this end to 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 complete his arc and to say this is the life of tony stark i think is totally invaluable i'm i'm such a bigger iron man fan now that he's dead and i that's awesome yeah and i know that maybe that sounds like 
like the opposite. But because now I, there is just we know the beginning and the end of Iron Man, and he and it, it's, it was so amazing throughout. And he's got to be one of my favorites in the MCU. Yeah, well, Robert Downey Jr. just carries this franchise from the very beginning. And every movie he's in, he kind of has his own little arc where he comes to realize something. You st- you learn stuff about him in like very late in the game, you know, even though you've been with him since literally the very beginning. And I mean, in this movie, he's not as quippy as he is in other movies. He does have a few things, but really he's it's about him like dealing with the consequences of losing. And then, you know, you see how like skinny and like malnourished he is because he was in the sp- in space for three weeks. And then, like, he has to grapple with the idea that, like, he has a family and stuff to, and some uh, more to lose than ever before. And yet he has, you know, more to save than ever before. So, like, his performance as, like, this tortured but reluctant hero has, like, perpetuated this franchise for such a long time. And Robert Downey Jr.'s performance has just been absolutely key to that. So, yeah, I mean, he gets all the credit he deserves. Well, it's also kind of a, I mean... Iron Man and Robert Downey Jr., or rather Tony Stark and Robert Downey Jr. are kind of similar too, because Robert Downey Jr. had a troubled past before yeah. Iron Man. So it's kind of the same thing, where he went from this like scum of society to hero of a the best movie franchise of all time. So yeah. I, I love that parallel as well. And also just in this film, particularly, Iron Man has the most to lose, because he still has his wife, he's, and he has a daughter now. So he has all every incentive to walk away and say, no, don't mess this up. Because as much right. as it sucks that everyone is gone, they'll survive this. The humanity will go on, even though things are kind of in chaos, even five years later. He, things could have just gone from there. But instead, he risks it all and goes to... Well, actually, the, the, I think the thing that convinces him is he misses his boy uh, Spider-Man. Yeah, which <laughs> I, his his surrogate son, and right. that's noble as well for him to to be able to put Spider Man ahead of himself. I mean, everyone ahead of himself, but specifically Spider Man. Um, he just loves his boy, and I love Spider Man too. So I definitely relate with Tony on that <laughs> one. Um, so it, it's it just for me, it's one of the most satisfying character arcs I've ever seen. Like it, it, it I don't want to. It, it's. I don't want to overspeak here, but it's on like the for me it's on the level of like a Walter White from from like a, a like sure from a beginning of true like the opposite though excuse me for, it's kind of the opposite he starts off as truly bad and ends up being truly good yeah well he's always I mean Robert Downey Jr. and and Iron Man has always been one of the strongest parts of any of the Avengers movies you know he's a he was a key player in Civil War, a key player in Ultron, obviously in the first Avengers. And I mean, there's been three Iron Man movies and every other movie that he's shown up in, he's been a like he's been larger than life, uh, which is ironic because Robert Downey Jr. is kind of short. Yeah. So it's like <laughs> it's it's awesome to see that all conclude so perfectly in this movie. And yeah, giving him kind of the limelight, making him really the main protagonist in this movie is appropriate. And also, I think we got a little bit of foreshadowing towards what his daughter will eventually become when she came out of her little hut with the Pepper Potts Iron Man helmet on. Yeah, yeah. Where And then, oh, amazing line. Uh, he was like, oh, don't worry. Your mother never wears anything I get her. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, Iron Man, truly amazing in this one. Uh, Captain America, I think we... Uh, like, not quite as satisfying as a conclusion for me, 
Um, again, it's, it's harder to pinpoint when he truly like finished his service, you know, like what did he do that was truly besides taking part in the, uh, war against Thanos, which obviously is no small task, but, um, it's a little less clear cut, but he gets his opportunity to enjoy a normal life, which of all people, Captain America has definitely earned. Yeah. And I mean, they go back to this, um, like over and over again, they really like watching the second time. It's very obvious that they're trying to set this up because, um, like he never had a normal life, right? And he got recruited into the army and then like immediately he was under the ice. Um, and he never like got to live in his life and now he's outside of time. It would be interesting to like see this move, like a Captain America movie where he's alive today. And then he like gets made into a super soldier today. And then he gets propelled 70 years into the future. Right. And then see what he has to deal with, like the consequences of that, because like it's so normal for us to be like, oh, he's in the future, whatever he has to deal with it. You know, it's not that different, but it really is. It's only drawing for him, not for us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, from his point of view, like you never really see it from his point of view in that regard. But yeah, setting that up to say, oh, he really like he misses his girl. He misses going like he misses ever living. Um, and yeah, he, he says exactly what. um he calls back to what Tony told him to do, which is get, to get a life. So. <laughs> right. And and it's also, I, I think it's good to separate Captain America and Iron Man's deaths. Like, it would have been half as good if the two of them had somehow died fighting Thanos, right? Like, it, sure. it, if they were both dying and, like, Spider-Man's crying over one and Don Cheadle is crying over the other one. It's like, <laughs> all right, this is too much. But to have them both be removed from the effectively ended in the MCU... In yeah. different ways, I think is good. I mean, obviously, it, we expect good things out of this series, but to to do two different things, there, I think, is essential. So I think that they pulled that yeah. off really and nicely. It, and I mean, this is kind of like the uh, uh, Lord of the Rings problem, right? Like um, how Return of the King ends like four times and it takes like forty minutes for the movie to end. Like this is this is how you do that in a satisfying way, where it's like, okay, first one character dies, then you have a fitting conclusion for your second character. Um, and you get to see like pieces of that. One of the other things that I really liked was when they asked him, oh, do you want to tell me about her? And he says, no, which kind of like implies that they won't return to his character in the like in retro like and do like a retcon of him uh, like for like a TV show because they did have that TV show. What was it? Agent Carter. Um, so I'm assuming that the, the events of this movie take place after that show i would love to see a new captain america movie it's like captain america like normal life where yeah he- like, i was thinking about that like he's like on the homeowners association or something <laughs> and somebody's like stirring up shit and he's just like oh like i'm uh like you know i'm gonna go over there and t- tell him a lesson and agent carter's like no like you know put the shield down there's no need for that but <laughs> they're like gonna kick someone out of the neighborhood because they won't cut yeah. their lawn and captain america's like yeah. we don't trade lives like <laughs> we have to keep them in the neighborhood <laughs> Uh, that'd be so perfect but yeah i i I thought they did a good job on ending his arc and also a good job on getting rid of him Uh, part of the point of this end right is to refresh the mcu and getting rid of iron man and getting rid of sounds like i'm like (laughs) throwing out the trash but you know what i'm saying to effectively remove them from the picture in a satisfying way is, is something that they had an opportunity to do here and Iron Man, Captain America, both done extremely well in that capacity. Thor, yeah. there are our, uh, our other big boy who's, uh, <laughs> he's, well, he's uh, truly big a big boy in this movie. Um, yeah. First off, I just want to appreciate his amazing weapons. I feel like his weapons are almost like 
their own. I, I know we've already brought up Mjolnir, but also Stormbreaker. These um, like it, there's just something about seeing him wield these uh, super cool weapons. Uh, although. The idea I got from Infinity War was that Stormbreaker was going to be super effective against Thanos. Like, you swing it at him once and Thanos is done. Uh, I thought that's the level of weapon we were dealing with here. Because even when we saw him use it against Thanos, it was like one strike and Thanos is basically dead. Sure. But in this one, you realize it's just another weapon that Thanos is almost immune to. <laughs> uh, he's almost yeah. immune to everything. Well, he has that giant, like, two-sided Darth Maul weapon, you know, two-sided blade that's like indestructible yeah so where was that in the other movie yeah that's exactly what i was saying but <laughs> that was pretty useful right it was but at, at the same time i just it maybe it's something i just have an affinity for like it, you know have naming your weapons and having them be so highly regarded I, I just really thought that those scenes with thor you know just calling his weapons to himself they were so i keep using this word but they were so epic it was epic Speaking of these three guys, like when he calls down the weapons, whatever, and he braids his beard using the lightning, that's so hilarious. <laughs> like, you, I, I was thinking about that uh, moment in Avengers when the three of them fought each other in the in the forest, and like they all like you know like what's going on here? And none of them knows what's what's happening, and they're all just kind of going at each other. Um, and now in this one, like they're all te- they're all you know very well acquainted with each other and you're gonna go out and defeat this ultimate weapon ultimate ultimate uh villain thanos oh yeah i thought that was that was a nice little kind of callback that was a battle we all wanted to see and i know that's that's you know typical it's fan service but amazing fan service we everyone wanted to see captain america thor and iron man versus no stones thanos because (laughs) (laughs) even though i obviously the stones are very much a part of what we think of when we think of thanos He's too powerful with the stones. It's not even fun. So yeah. seeing him go toe to toe, you're like, oh, they, they should be able to beat him, right? But then you're like, oh, man, no, he's really knocking them around. It was such an entertaining battle, which you really didn't know what was going to happen. Because it seemed yeah. like a good good a time as any to kill Thanos. Uh, they, you saw them, how easily they killed him at the beginning of the movie. So it was, that was really cool. Like One of my favorite battles was those three versus Thanos. And Thanos definitely held his ground. Plus, that had the captain america mjolnir scene which oh my gosh it's so awesome so awesome the people i saw it with were just freaking out they were just like oh my gosh the theater (laughs) went wild when i was there too it was so crazy (laughs) (laughs) so that that was fantastic but okay back to thor his develop i mean his story in this movie is interesting i definitely didn't see it coming i was almost a little bit annoyed by it by the first when i saw it the first time but the second watch through i felt a little better about it but it's basically how thor deals with his trauma uh, th- yeah. that because he has lost everything and and for such a quippy and funny guy it's interesting to see him be put in such a dark place and i i know that we touched on this with the infinity war episode but he truly has lost you know half more than half of the people that he's supposed to lead and protect the, as the as guardians um mm-hmm. and but there's also losing his family not that long ago and everything going like losing half of the people in the universe like it's He's his been hammer, through a lot. His his eye. Yeah. yeah. And um, so I think it was important that they, they showed that. That he's not just, all right, let's go get Thanos, you know? He's grieving. Yeah, well, I mean, at the end of the movie, right, he says, like, I don't have a path anymore. You know, for the last thousand years, I knew what to do, and now I, I don't know what to do. Um, and in this moment, he's still... He, you know, and before they decided to go back and defeat Thanos, he's kind of in the same place, right? He's like he's struggling to move on and struggling to deal with the depth of his failure. Um, and you can see, 
like I think this is nice. I didn't notice this the first time, but the second time I watched it, as uh, when Captain Marvel shows up with Tony, he is sitting there eating biscuits and drinking beer um, at that moment. So like you can tell that binge starts immediately. Like that's just how he starts <laughs> to deal with the fact that he lost. And he is a god, right? So he's capable of drinking a lot of beer and eating a lot of stuff and being fine. But he is fat. And what I didn't expect. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he looks like a normal Viking to me. <laughs> Well, I didn't expect him to stay fat the whole movie. I guess uh, when I saw the lightning strike and his hair got braided, I kind of expected his entire body to get like fixed or whatever. But no. Nope. Oh, yeah, me too. He was still thick boy th- uh, Thor, which uh, <laughs> I guess is fine with me. I don't really know how I feel about them like making fun of him being fat. Like obviously his like it- it's supposed to be him in a- being in a bad place and, you know, it's destructive behavior. But also... I don't know. The God of Thunder can be fat. I'm okay with that. You know? I don't know. But that's the whole thing is that, like, you know, he was such a pretty boy in all the other movies. And he's like, you know, he's all these moments where he takes his shirt off or he shows his shoulders or something. And everyone's like, ooh, yeah, I love that. And now to have that totally, like, not happen at all is like an ultimate, like, subversion. So I don't know. I appreciate it from that point of view. Yeah, it is quality subversion. And you know what? That's what happens when you drink a lot of beer. Also, definitely saw the Creature Comforts can. Um, oh, did you really? Yes. And if you're not familiar with Creature Comforts, they have these really, um, it's kind of like burnt orange is the color of the can. And you see him drinking those at the Avengers complex when he's there. Also, he did provide a lot of good comedic relief. Just looking at oh, him, yeah. the audience would start laughing. He's got the sunglasses on. <laughs> he's just, and he looks like, Tony Stark even calls him the, uh, not Lebowski. The, Lebowski yeah. yeah, the dude, yeah. Uh, which is great. But shout out Dylan Thompson, our uh, who was on our Avengers Infinity War episode for pointing out creature comforts. I I was like, there it is. There's a can uh, while I was watching it. Also, Fortnite makes an appearance in this film. Did you <laughs> did you feel like the Fortnite inclusion was gratuitous? Because I've heard people say that. Um, it's definitely not going to age well because no one's going to know what Fortnite is in five years. Well, that's actually, I, I think that that helps it. That aids it because for me, it looks like generic video game and sure. like having people trash talk on Xbox live or, or online is a very, that's, that's been a part of gaming for a, over a decade. So yeah. it's, what is the name of the guy on the, on the other line? Noob killer 69. Or yeah. <laughs> Noob killer. Which is like the most generic like name you could think of. Well, yeah, but can you imagine the guy who has that gamer tag being like, yes, yes, I'm, <laughs> that's me. I'm like a canon part of the MCU. <laughs> but um, I, oh, I thought man. it was just, I thought it was funny. I didn't really think it, d- it detracted from the movie. Uh, if anything, it's it's pointing at Fortnite players and be like, haha, you loser. This is what people sure. play when they're like, compl- when their entire civilization dies and they're super depressed. They, well, they didn't, they didn't even say call it Fortnite, right? They just, they just for same playing video games. So. Yeah, yeah. So I thought it was fine. Um, yeah. So anyways, but Thor ends up kind of getting his mojo back to a certain extent you know we said like he stays fat um but he he comes to this realization uh towards the end that he doesn't he kind of creates his own path like you said he lost his path at the end of infinity war um and and we'll get a little bit deeper into that a little bit later let's move on to to the incredible hulk who finally is overpowered um because the whole dichotomy of the hulk is he's either the smart calm guy or the invincible angry guy and there's no in between and that's sure. that's what makes him a compelling character. Because if you had both, it'd be boring. Oh, I'm just the super smart, invincible, strong guy. Okay, that's <laughs> uh, what's the male version of a, a Mary Sue? It's a uh, a Gary. 
Stu. Gary Stu is what it's called. Yes. (laughs) He's a total Gary Stu. Um, But it it makes sense in this one because he's not the only one. It's not his movie, right? It's fine for him to be a little bit OP because there's so much more going on. Um, I mean, at this point, at five years later, he's a celebrity role model, basically, like very palatable for children. And, you know, he there's that hilarious scene where the kids come and get a photo with him. Yeah. I, like for a three hour movie, I'm surprised that they like took the time to make that like super awkward scene that like seems to drag it's on. It so drags on. Oh my but gosh. It's so funny. Oh my god. <laughs> it's almost unbearable how long there's like, just take the phone back, you know? <laughs> Paul Rudd should not have asked if he could get a picture with those kids it was so cringy but it was good uh, i mean it was really funny that, they, they also have the inclusion like hulk encourages the kids to dab uh but again i don't think that okay the reason i bring it up is because i saw people on twitter criticizing this they were like was he dabbing i did not think he was dabbing he, i thought he was just doing like a like a piece he well the thing is he does say dab so like uh, the second time i Maybe it's Twitter influencing me. The first time I didn't notice. The second time I definitely realized that he was encouraging the kids. He was like, dab, you know? And then he was like waving at them also. So it's like a okay. bad dab. Like he doesn't fully commit to the dab. He mo- a dad dab? He basically just puts his arms in the in the position. I don't want to get too deep into this. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> I can go into a deep dab well, if that helps. No. <laughs> I still think dabbing ironically is funny. And for me, it didn't detract from the movie at all. So whoever said it on Twitter, suck it. Um, You're wrong. Yeah, you are absolutely wrong. But also, did you feel like, did you get vibes of uh, Star Wars Episode Two, where... It, oh, in the diner? In the diner, yes. <laughs> with What's his name with the four arms? Yes. I didn't until you just said that. <laughs> I was like, what movie am I watching right now? Because it's like normal human Paul Rudd talking to big old computer animated guy in a diner and they're trying to be like cordial with each other. I was like, this is straight out of episode two. <laughs> <laughs> you can't get away from it. Uh, honestly, yeah, you can never get away from the prequels. I mean, the fir- I mean it makes perfect sense. Infinity War replicated... Um, uh, Phantom Menace, right? With, With the, the whole Gungan battle. Yep. And the shield. Yep. I'm just saying, it's this one. This one is just like that. I think that the greatest movie franchise of all time would be remiss if they didn't draw heavily from the prequels. So it's, <laughs> I think this is just excellent filmmaking, honestly. Um, but the Hulk, do you feel like after this movie, he is too overpowered to be a main character anymore? Well, he was never, he was never optimized for a main character, you know? You know, like, Hulk only works as a side character, apparently. I mean, because that's that's the, according to Marvel, that's the, that's the truth. Because there's only ever one Hulk movie, right? Yeah. And now it didn't even star Mark Ruffalo. Right, and and I think uh, now that you point that out, you're right. He's always been kind of a um, peripheral guy, but he's also crippled at the end of this one, which I think is. I predict that they'll continue with that where he'll be more of a brain now as opposed to mm. uh, being both. And, you know, a brain that has one really good arm, but at the same time, I, I think that he'll definitely take a step back. So maybe not as a conclusive ending as maybe our Captain America or Iron Man, but I, I do believe that's his out where it's like, oh, I got crippled by the Infinity Gauntlet. So now I'm not like a big player anymore. I wonder if that, like, because I, I, Hulk is supposed to heal super fast too. So I wonder if that really is going to stay permanent, or if they're going to have him heal eventually. You know, I don't know. But I, okay, the Hulk represents something else for me in this movie, and that's like the character development of these characters. Right? We leave them alone for five years, which is longer than we've ever left any of them, really. So they get to a chance to kind of reflect and kind of introspect in a big way, 
and you see this with everyone, you know, and people deal with it different ways. Obviously, Thor doesn't deal with it in a very healthy way. Um, Captain America is like, uh, we're not, not Captain America, but uh, Tony like goes off and uh, has his life with Pepper and his daughter, and the Captain America and Black Widow kind of sulk and like are still trying to save everyone, even though it's kind of too late. And the Hulk, like he, he does a lot of you know obviously introspecting to the point where he is able to like reconcile the two halves of himself and come to like be better because of it. So it's like, I, I don't know. It's interesting to see like, Oh, these characters are growing, you know, they're, they're outgrowing the, the, at a pace that we can't keep up with them anymore. And they're becoming new people, different people. Um, and I thought that was really nice. Yeah, I agree. And it's also the way I always wanted to see Hulk because in action, the problem with Hulk is he's either too reckless or not reckless enough be, or, sure. or just not powerful enough, you know, when he's not the Hulk. So uh, it was satisfying, at least from just a purely superhero fan perspective to finally get the smart, the, like the brains and the brawn at the same time. Um, okay, so the, moving on more Avengers here, Black Widow and Black Widow and Hawkeye. Back when Avengers first came out, I was like, everyone is awesome, except for those two, because I was a stupid <laughs> kid, and I was like, if they're not powerful, they're not cool, you know? Uh, but I think that th this movie especially did a good job to put an exclamation point on both these characters and say, this is why we included them. This is why these two are like OG Avengers, because there is a story to be told about these characters. Black Widow comes from this mysterious spy background where she's definitely done some, you know, some stuff that's in a morally gray area, if not just outright wrong yeah and for her to be able to sacrifice herself for the good of all existence is definitely a good end to her arc yeah well i mean having that whole like reverse fight right where they have to, they have to fight to kill themselves which was like very backwards um was, <laughs> I mean, it, really, <laughs> it was that was really cool i mean that was something totally different and um I mean, this is another callback to the uh, the first Avengers, right? Where Hawkeye was evil because he got mind controlled, and um, so he was like he was fighting her. So that that was a whole thing there. Um, I don't know. Like for me, I'm mixed about this because on one hand, I really like I really like Scarlett Johansson. I really like Jeremy Renner, and having them like have that like moment to just kind of act right and like act against each other was really nice and and ha like really shows just like the depth of talent that's in this in these movies you know any one of these people can carry a franchise on their own and like having them all together is just such a a monumental thing and i feel like they like having them come to the realization that one of them has to die and the other one has to kill him is so powerful and like you start to realize like oh they have to make this decision together and they have to like like they came up here for one thing and they're going to succeed. God damn it. Whether, you know, whether one of the only one of them makes it or not. And I mean, they just put themselves in this weird prisoner's dilemma. But like, again, in the back of my mind, my cynical movie watching mind, I'm like, okay, how do they end this? Right. They obviously have to have the woman win the battle because they can't show women being weak in the MCU, but she has to kill herself to win the battle. So where does that end up? Like, where is he? Where do you end up? And at the very end, when they're showing like the all the women like coming up, like all, all the women Avengers or all the uh, women in the MCU, and they're coming together into that one epic scene, I like I could just feel the Black Widow hole. You know, ah. I could see it. I was just like, ah, if only she was here, man, because the she was there from the very beginning. She deserves to be here. Um, so I don't know. I think I don't know which one I would have preferred, but I I feel like. There could have been just an epic of a movie if Hawkeye had also had sacrificed himself instead of her. But again, like he has to come back home to his family and redeem himself. So. Exactly. And, and that's when this 
when it when I was watching it the second time, I felt like it was so obvious. I was like, only one of them really can die. Here. Well, they lead up to it too. Like uh, like when uh, before they get in the ship, Rhodey says, "Watch each other's six out there." <laughs> Come on, Rhodey. Yeah, like well, it, it was so. Hawkeye has a family to go back to. The whole reason sure. he went on this little rampage there is because he lost his family. And the whole goal of this is to get the family back. And as much as, uh, what's her last name? Romanoff? Yeah. She, Natasha Romanoff. Yeah, as much as Natasha Romanoff like, also wants to be back with the, re- the, you know, the Avengers that aren't there, it's not the same. And especially the way the movie opened with Hawkeye losing his family, um, which also, great opening. I-, I thought that was a great way to kind of- I was disappointed they didn't, they didn't have the snap. It, in in the end of Ant Man and the Wasp, um, you could hear uh, the snap. When, you could hear the snap when he's in the quantum realm, and I was I was paying very close attention the second time I watched it, and I wish they had just had it because it's so it's so like haunting having the the like the snap that everyone can hear, and then suddenly people are gone. So that was my only complaint about that. But that again, yeah, great. Opening. Well, because the, the the first ha- or the first hour of this movie is very dark and and depressing. You know, things r- truly seem lost. I mean, there's. You know, quippy parts, of course, but for the most part, it, it it is very dark, and having Hawkeye's family disappear at the beginning sets that tone. Uh, but it, uh, I, I mean, I I feel like having Scarlett Johansson die at this point made sense, you know, and, and especially because it did complete her arc to sacrifice herself, uh, because again, she started out as kind of a bad person. But talking about Hawkeye, this is probably his best movie. Do you do you agree? Uh, I guess so. I mean, he he's, was featured a lot in the second Avengers, too. I mean, he, he introduced his family and stuff, and then he talks about how, like, nothing makes sense. I'm here with a bow and arrow and stuff. He has some really good, like, lines and stuff. But Jeremy Renner, Jeremy Renner is a solid actor, and I wish he had more um, screen time. Yeah, and I, I guess maybe it's just the movie that made me like the character the most because of what he actually does throughout. Um, but because becoming that monster and ending all these like bad guys who survived the Thanos snap. I thought was a cool twist. I didn't see that coming from Hawkeye. And uh, yeah, he became the Punisher. He did. That's a good point. And uh, that's a Marvel character, right? So they they have a license. They can do that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Punisher to the MCU confirmed. But um, I don't know. I, I just, I think we should appreciate like a movie that really does a good job putting Hawkeye in the spotlight. There's a lot of, moments in this movie where it's just him versus the opposition and i think that's great and it just i want to speaking of time travel i would like to go back in time to when avengers is first go back to 2012 and i would like to bully myself and be like dude you need to respect (laughs) you need to respect scarlett johansson and jeremy renner in avengers more because they are actually necessary inclusions and i would like push myself and like and you would step on my shoes yourself no spoilers please yeah Well, okay, maybe I would just cyber bully myself. Um, <laughs> anonymously? Yeah, anonymously, yeah. I'd be like, hey, you know, you need to listen. Uh, because I, this movie helped me to gain that final appreciation for these two characters. Um, another one, Ant-Man. Can't, can't uh, talk about this movie without talking about Ant-Man. And um, we already talked about how convenient it was that uh, Rat Woman oh, freed him from the quantum realm. But he was also... Uh, some provided some of the best comedic relief uh 
uh, because there was when he first shows up at the Avengers complex. And I mean, anytime Paul Rudd opens his mouth, there's a chance that you're going to end up laughing. Like when he's at the gate, he's talking, about, you might remember me from the airport in Germany. You know, yeah, remember me? <laughs> I became really big. Airport. <laughs> I love it when Rhodey calls him regular sized. Man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's so hard. <laughs> well, and also right there, that scene is when he's like, they ha- like one of the more, I don't know, like indie film shots i guess was when he's like spreading out the uh the wrapper for his taco and he's getting ready to eat it and then the spaceship lands and it blows like all the contents of his like classic taco joke uh where like all the stuff (laughs) falls out of your taco but his actually his face where he's just kind of like like he he can't believe that this gust is hitting him just very funny and that's what paul rudd brings to the mcu paul rudd is a comedian first like or a comedy actor first then he's a superhero and it it always feels that way and i felt like they leaned into that aspect of his character here they always do but they continued that in this film um which is part it's like an argument for how good they are at combining all these characters because just because like you could argue maybe this isn't you can't really argue this, but you could argue that this is like an Avengers film only, right? And all these other characters mm. are just happen to be in that movie. And you still get this feeling of an Ant-Man movie from Paul Rudd. That, that Yeah, and there's like tiny little moments without shifting the tone too drastically. Right. You, you know? let him be himself yeah. uh, within this world, which is difficult to do. And I think they do it to perfection. The other thing is when he, he's inside the complex, when he first shows up, he's explaining where he's been. He's like, I was in the quantum realm and I've been gone. It was only five hours. Is that anyone's sandwich? <laughs> which is uh, it just his delivery is fantastic. And, and that 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 line got a huge laugh out of my audiences both times. So um, I just want to applaud Paul Rudd's ability to bring comedy to the to a serious situation. Um, Another one, I know I'm listing off a lot of characters here, but they this movie had a lot of characters. Scarlet Witch, dude, definitely getting revenge on Thanos. She would have ended him. That was like the one time you see Thanos truly look weak was when when Scarlet Witch yeah, is, well, gets him. I, I, I meant to bring this up on our other podcast, but she's she holds back Thanos with when Thanos has five infinity stones, she is holding him back with one hand. Right. And he's like fighting through. He's like, he's making progress, but she does end up like doing what she needs to do. Just like killing um, vision vision before he gets to there. So like, yeah, like I I wish I had made a bigger point about this before, but like if she had been down there on the battlefield earlier, if she hadn't been tasked with destroying that uh, mind stone, then, you know, this would be a different series of events for sure. Yeah. And it was so it was just so uh, satisfying to see her like start breaking Thanos's armor and to watch him basically you know reach for the ropes he was he was tagging out yeah. so he could uh s- survive because otherwise she would have totally obliterated him so and this leads us into the all-female avengers scene or, or just like that sequence because i the first time i saw this i felt like it was a bit gratuitous to have like you know oh like we all just happen to be on the same part of the battlefield at the same time walking towards Thanos. Like, hey, here we go. You know, it, it's the, like women can be superheroes too. Oh, oh here we go again. The fir- that's how I felt the first time, just because, I don't know, it was my gut reaction. But the second time I saw it, I realized it was just another like fan service. It was just epic. What a flex to be able to, for the Mar- MCU to be like, oh, you, you've got uh, Wonder Woman? That's nice. Here's 12 women who are all like actually developed characters in the MCU you know uh, like yeah. to, to have this roster and obviously we wish that scarlett johansson could have been there but our black widow could have been in that as well but we all know black widow is important too and and it's 
they already have that. So uh, they could have left that out because it's so obvious that there's so many amazing women in the MCU. But at the same time, I don't think there's any problem with including it because it truly was a badass scene to see these women come out. It, and was, start a, it was a badass scene. I, I was so cool. Like the way they shot it where they just kind of, you know, it pans back and there's more and more people keep showing up. And I like to go back to what you were saying about Ant-Man, about how like they inject like pieces of the tone of Ant-Man into this movie. As soon as Captain Marvel shows up, you know, that's when the feminist angle shows up. So, yeah, it's like the tiny little pieces of every film fit into this film in like little puzzle pieces. So, yeah, I feel like it was consistent with like the, the little like slight tone shifts that this movie goes to. Yeah, that's I, I you put it so well and and you're exactly right. Going back to just talking about how every not every but uh, most of um of these MCU movies push the limits and each one has its own kind of thing. The feminist angle is definitely what Captain Marvel had and th- she yeah. brought that to this film her, you know, I'm a I'm a strong independent woman and you can't tell me what to do kind of attitude and this is just kind of extending from that. So, I know that it's something that people have been complaining about but in my opinion, I liked it. I thought it was great because it's just another one of these fan services. Look how awesome the MCU is. And uh, yeah. it truly was awesome. So this this brings us to the big man himself, Thanos. The sourest of grapes. The sourest Grimace. grape. The, uh, the Balchinian himself, Thanos. And first off, and this is something that our, our friend Scott Miller, also friend of the podcast, he was on our Infinity War episode, uh, brought up was how noble it was of him to destroy the stones. Because they were a temptation, and it, it proves that he this was his plan. He wasn't doing it because he yeah. was power hungry. He wasn't doing it because he thought it would make him a god. He was doing it because he truly believed it was the best thing to do, and to destroy the stones and give up his power. Also, he knows they're trying to kill him now, and he's getting rid of his best protection for that. I think just continues to make him such a compelling villain. Yeah, I mean, for I agree that like, um what you said is perfect but and then the way he uh he sees his own death right when when he's uh looking into the future through nebula's eyes he sees um like oh like he gets his head chopped off and he says and like and that's destiny or whatever he says um oh yeah it was was, that's destiny fulfilled fulfilled, yes that's destiny fulfilled he's got so many lines thanos dude (laughs) like he's so cool with it too he does it never seems cheesy it just seems like he's like a prophet you know he's just getting the perfect thing to say every time it's true and he's just like i don't know like to see that kind of you know single-mindedness is nice i guess um yeah i don't know he's a he's certainly a appropriate villain just because of the scale of his destruction um and like how hard he is to defeat and just like how just sheer he's like made of so much muscle i guess like it's so hard for anything to get through him well if you even tony's laser beams yeah freaking axes i looked at his uh, wikipedia page and his like listed superpowers one of them is basically just invulnerability like he's almost invincible like he's like 99 percent indestructible you know so he's and he truly carries that through this film he's he's totally uh difficult to defeat which at the beginning of the movie is so jarring to see them d- totally destroy him uh before you oh, before yeah. you realize how weak he's become that was a that was an awesome subversion because i was like what is going to happen now like i was i was just like what are they doing like i can't do this like i was like is this the rest of the movie just gonna be credits or the rest of, no that's what, I, that's what i was telling my friends afterward i was like okay then the credit like after the first 10 minutes and they kill Thanos, chopping up his head. Then the credits roll. Then the rest of the movie is an after-credit scene. <laughs> well, it's like he's 
And it, I don't know, like he's so comfortable too. Like Thanos is doing something that no one else is even capable of doing, and he's so cool at every moment. Like seeing his own death through like the nebula eye. He's just, mm-hmm. yeah, like you said, he was like, that's destiny fulfilled. It's like, what a gangster thing to say when you see yourself die in the future, right? Like, he's so, con- he's like, yep, that's me, you know? <laughs> I'm Thanos. And- At least I got my good side. Yeah. <laughs> At least I said something cool before I died. Um, but he's, I don't know, it, it's, he's so perfect. And, and after how amazing he was in Infinity War, and like, it's easy to be amazing when you win, uh, but for him to continue that legacy uh, just for me cements him as one of my favorite villains of all time and like and i've heard this from other people this is definitely me copying other people have said but i agree with it uh is that like he's like the darth vader of our time kind of the the ultimate villain i disagree with that well okay why because darth vader redeems himself at the end darth vader is like a darth vader is a complex villain because he was good then he turned evil, and then he turns good at the end, the last minute, right? And he has a like a distinct connection to our main character in in Luke, right? And he's like, you can see him develop kind of in the background. Whereas Thanos is really single minded, you know, he is really cool and everything, but he's really kind of a product of his like time, I guess you could say, like in that you, in order to make a compelling superhero villain, they've risen this, they've raise the stakes so many times they have to make his plan somewhat make sense even though it really doesn't make sense right they have to have he can't just be blindly trying to kill half the universe he has to be doing it for some noble reason that you may or may not agree with probably not because killing people is always wrong. right probably not if you're not a sociopath that's right so but they at least make the attempt that of an argument right to give the idea that he has some sort of thing behind him but i don't that doesn't equate him to darth vader I don't well think. i guess it, i think he, i think you're right and having more nuance than that is the appropriate way to look at these two compelling villains but i, I for me it's like he is the overarching villain of our time like of, the, of in popular culture right now when you think of like who's the biggest badass it's, it's oh Thanos. yeah no, no no he's he's the big he's the big bad for sure and like everything i don't know it's he's I mean, it's it's hard because he's so epic, right? But I mean, I don't know. It, it's it's he's a bigger. He's like a he's just a kind of a monumental like thing of evil, you know. He's not something. There's not really much underneath of that. Fair enough. And and it's uh it he does have to be the antagonist of everything, which does kind of put him in a corner. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> puppies hate those. Why have half <laughs> cakes? Hate those two. <laughs> All cakes are just half. Hey, half the calories. But uh <laughs> but overall, I I just continued to love Thanos uh as much as I did out of Infinity War. And I, and it was so important to have a villain that can stand up against this impressive lineup of superheroes. Um so okay, a couple more quick thoughts on some other characters in here. Spider-Man. So happy to see him alive, right? What a surprise. Uh, definitely didn't wow. see that coming when I saw the trailer for Spider-Man Far From Home. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I love I love uh, Tom Holland. I think he's my favorite Spider-Man. Um, but it's just, he was great in this film as well. We got the callback to instant kill mode, which we, when you heard in Homecoming, you're like, instant kill mode? Spider-Man doesn't need that. And then here you're like, oh, thank God Spider-Man has instant kill mode, right? That was funny. It was yeah. great because... <laughs> First off, he definitely needed it. Spider-Man couldn't have taken all those bad guys at the same time. He still couldn't with instant kill mode. But 
it was such a funny callback to, to, to something that was in a totally different context before. Also, he's still introducing himself all the time to the different superheroes he meets, which is so cute and funny. Uh, so Tom Holland, just amazing in this one as always. And I can't wait to see more of him. Like, Looking forward to more of the MCU where Black Panther is definitely going to play a larger role. Valkyrie is definitely going to play a larger role. And Spider-Man, obviously, going to play a much larger role. And good. Good. Because we've seen Spider-Man be done so terribly in the past. It's time that they got him right. And, and it looks like they're headed on that way. Um, Nebula. Nebula gets a bigger part of the story, too. A huge part of the story. Um, and at the beginning, I, I've seen this. Uh, I promise that Twitter is not the only website that I go on. But uh, I saw somebody post some <laughs> screenshots <laughs> of nebula playing paper football with iron man and they were talking about how when she misses captain uh i'm sorry iron man's like that's fine you can try again and the look on her face when she hears that is is kind of surprised because she's so used to this unforgiving situation where thanos is absolutely cruel to her outrageously cruel crippling her and, and replacing her body parts with metal it's it's nice to see her have that moment of, you know, spending time with somebody like Tony Stark, who's actually treating her like a person. Also, she finally wins at something. She never beat Gamora at fighting. So for her to finally get like a small victory, it's kind of nice for her to be like, yes, I win. And it, it was fun. Yeah, it is nice <laughs> for us to see her get that as well. My one criticism, though, and maybe it's not even a criticism. I just want a further explanation on it. Her cybernetic implants are so convenient for Thanos. They would have gone in and out of yeah, the past. But, uh, man, that was so cool, though, like having that complication put in, right? Like saying, oh, we're going to do a time heist and it's going to go perfectly. But no heist in a movie ever goes perfectly. Yeah. And having like, like having the entire plan laid out to Thanos, even if it isn't current Thanos, it's past Thanos, is still like, oh, no, this is all going to go down. This is all going to go. This is all going to turn out terribly like. Yeah, I, I liked having that because it, it just ro- raised the stakes again. They were just like, oh, they're not going to get away with this. There's no way. Fair enough. Thanos is still coming. It, it was definitely necessary to have that complication. Also, um, Time Heist, great name. So good. Oh, yeah. Time Heist would be, <laughs> that sounds like a really good like multiplayer game for GameCube or something back in the day. Split screen. Um, okay, we already talked about her a little bit. Um, Captain Marvel, she makes an appearance in here. The thing is, oh, I, I, I think... There was a certain sect that thought Captain Marvel was the solution to Thanos. It was going to be, you know, we've gone this far. And finally, we have the ultimate superhero, Captain Marvel, who all she has to do is punch Thanos. Or what, what did we say? Kick him in the dick. And that, and that would solve uh, the patriarchy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And, and obviously, Thanos is the embodiment of the patriarchy. Uh, but that's not what happened. Uh, Captain Marvel definitely plays an important part and does things that no other superhero could have done, like rescuing uh, Nebula and Tony Stark from deep space and also ripping through that the Thanos ship. Yes. So cool. Yes. That's what she's good at. I mean, she, that's, I mean, she does that in, the, in her movie, too, right? She goes straight through Ronan's ship. Absolute awesome. continuity, very important in MCU. And uh, but she also, we get a definitive answer: Is she stronger than Thanos? Sorry, sorry, feminists. Was she, well, okay, it was close though. <laughs> was right? Thanos like, with the stones is what she couldn't defeat. Yeah, but but only because she he couldn't close his hand, and then he takes and then he punches her and gets like gets the better of her from a, a new angle, yeah. right? So, well, he took the power stone and then punched her with he that. He did. He took the power stone off and punched her with that. So, 
I don't know. It's it's up in the air. I think I, that that fight wasn't over yet. So. Well, he yeah, and we definitely get like a good moment of him like punching her in the face, and she doesn't even remotely flinch. And in fact, she cool. gives him like a cheeky little glance. So uh, you know, I think Captain Marvel lived up to her billing as this like overpowered superhero that gives them a chance. Yeah, and she comes in late, which like which is good. Like it's appropriate for her to like to be somewhere else and then show up late and kind of wreck stuff. So that was. You know, I, I was satisfied with that. Plus, like, you know, she kind of has this little bit of arrogance to her, right? When she's like, oh, we're just going to go get Thanos or whatever. And she's like, she kind of has this, uh, like, oh, there's other planets. There's all these other planets out there besides Earth and stuff. It's like, maybe, yeah, maybe you're right, but, like, you don't have to say it like that. Right, exactly. Well, she definitely shuts down Rocket because Rocket's like, what are you doing? And she's like, hey, quit mansplaining this to me. There are other planets that all this is happening on. And he's like, oh, dang, like, I'm such a, I'm such a, like, idiot. I'm such a raccoon. Yeah. <laughs> Which also, Rocket got a lot of the, uh, got a lot of screen time as well. Good for Bradley Cooper. Um, which I sometimes forget it's Bradley Cooper in there doing it. doesn't that. sound like Bradley Cooper. Yeah, it doesn't. He's definitely doing a voice. But also, um, and Groot is Vin Diesel. <laughs> I know. It's like, it could literally be anyone. Because like, I am Groot. <laughs> Anyways, um, we're almost at the end of these characters, I promise. Uh, Loki. He escapes to the Tesseract from 2012. Okay, we'll get into time travel in a minute. Okay, we'll, put, we'll punt on that one for now. But yes, we will discuss that. Um, yeah, so other notable appearances, we got Black Panther was in there. He was awesome. Uh, and one of the things I just love about the MCU, the, the whole power behind having a mo- like one or more movies for every single character that appears on screen is you already know the stuff about him. Like, Black Panther, they're not like, oh, look at him in his Black Panther suit. Notice how it builds up the kinetic energy and then explodes in purple. That was awesome. I love that. <laughs> All that's happening on screen, no explanation needed because you already got two hours of that back yep. when black panther came out and and that's that's amazing because then we can have a truly epic black panther sequence and then it can be over and we can move on and <laughs> it's satisfying to see him in there but it doesn't seem like it's kind of shoehorned right it just seems like the sure. natural progression of things uh the ancient one is in there as well being totally ancient and uh talking to bruce banner totally uh, ancient and totally asian and totally a man <laughs> yes <laughs> and also benedict wong makes an appearance as wong uh i love wong dude i think he's funny he's always he got funny. his little like like what you talking about benedict cumberbatch kind of like <laughs> always being like bouncing quips off of him so that's great um as well and okay finally to end our overall section before we head into our easter eggs i know we've been here for a while but this is a three-hour movie so bear with me the funeral scene i liked the funeral scene it was such a slow pan from and i'm talking about obviously tony stark's funeral where they have the proof that tony stark has a heart and then call back to third one too yes and then they they scan or, or the the camera pans past all of the characters that are still alive and it's it's really cool i mean for me it was kind of a uh cathartic moment where i'm like wow i really yeah. know all of these characters it was awesome and they, they're all grouped together obviously and they're kind of like in their own little spaces so yeah it was it was cool i liked that a lot it was very tasteful and still like i don't know it, it really did keep you engaged in that like moment and kind of like Show, was, I mean, it was this moment of passing the torch, right? Like Iron Man started this whole thing and now he's gone. Now it's up to all of these people to carry the torch. So, right. Yeah, I like that a lot. Iron Man started this thing and now look at everyone else who's gotten involved, you know, know. and how amazing they are. Yeah. But my one question, who was like the boy standing alone 
near the back. I don't know. You don't know either? Okay. I couldn't figure it out. I couldn't. He was like the one guy I was had no Is he clue. on IMDb? Like, what? what is he? Why is he such a, like, a, I don't know. Here's my one guess. He's the kid from Iron Man 3. Five years later, you know? Who is the random kid at Tony Stark's funeral? <laughs> <laughs> Good. Thank you. Thank you, Google. <laughs> is he the kid from Iron Man 3? What does it say? No, I just love that that's like a, a Google autocomplete. Who's the random kid at Tony Stark's funeral? That's so funny. Um, <laughs> you'll be forgiven if you don't recognize this guy because he looked a lot different last time he appeared in the MCU. That character is Harley Keener, played by Ty Simpkins who you'll remember from Iron Man 3 as the kid from Tennessee who helps Tony recharge his suit while he investigates a mysterious death. Boom! Nice. Well done. Called it. That was my guess. (laughs) His character name, Kid from Iron Man 3. (laughs) That's who he is. We figured it out. Well, there we go. And so there, there you have it. We know who all of the characters in the funeral are, which is just, I mean, it's just a nice way to reflect on how far we've come. I mean, that's kind of what this whole movie is, but that's a really nice scene to put it all together. Okay. (sighs) Feel good? You feel good about how far we've come? This is a little bit like the actual movie itself, where it's extremely long. (laughs) (laughs) Because we still got some more to go. And you know what? Let's not even wait. Let's keep going. So, Easter eggs. First one, this one I I think a lot of people probably realize in the moment, but Ken Jeong is in this movie. And so is... um... Uh, Yvette Nicole Brown from Community. That's right. She's in the elevator. Uh, I don't know if uh, I don't know how many of the co- of community is in here. I know I think the guy who plays Dean Pelton is in one of the movies, and I know Abed uh, Danny Pudi is in um, Winter Soldier. Whoa! And um, Childish Gambino is in Spider Man. Is he really? Yeah. Remember I he's about that. he like warns him about something. But yeah, he's in he's in Spider-Man Homecoming. I forgot about that, but I think you're right. Yeah. Is oh my god, is community in the MCU confirmed? I mean, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I can't answer that question. All we need is peers to show up. Uh, and Joel McHale. Yeah, Joel obviously Joel McHale. Joel McHale could or be Or just some soup. That would work too. <laughs> um, <laughs> Joel McHale could be a superhero. I could see him as a superhero. I remember I he'd be like a Shazam style. Shazam yes. Superhero. Yes. He would be a Shazam style guy. Okay. Sorry. We're getting way off. This isn't the community episode. This is the Avengers episode. Um, but also, and I'm sure anyone who's cares enough to listen to it, um, a podcast about this movie has probably heard already that this is the first inclusion of an LGBTQ plus character in the MCU. Is that true? Did you notice this? Did you, did, did you hear about this? Did you hear you about this? this? <laughs> I mean, I saw the movie. Well, you because I saw that part where that where the guy talks about his uh, his date with a guy. Yes, but well, I was more interested in, in trying to figure out what who he was because he's definitely Joe Russo, one of the directors. Yes, and I thought that was kind of cool because you know it's just a brother team that directed the movie, right? Anthony and Joe Russo, but only one of them shows up in the movie. Did the other oh, one get snapped away? That is cool. I don't know. That is cool. But um, I don't know. I honestly, this this feels a little bit like championing marvel for having a female lead with their 21st film it's, it's like not, too it's little not too like late explicit at all it's not like oh like you know thanks for telling us about your struggle or whatever it's like you know he just went on a date like it was very it's very casual yeah no that's true in, it, it did seem natural 
Yeah. Uh, but I think, it, and it's more of just like the reactionary headlines that I'm complaining about. I have not seen any of those reactionary headlines, but I've also been avoiding spoilers, so. Yeah, well, there's been some cancerous ones. So mostly, like, again, it's just go see the movie, make your own opinions about it. Don't listen to the people who are trying to get the most clicks. I mean, listen to us, but don't listen to them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Our clicks are better. Well, listen to us and then use that information we give you to form your own opinion. Don't just blindly believe, oh, Marvel is like the most uh, like progressive movie franchise ever because one character made a reference to going on a date with the, someone of the same like gender. Come on. Yeah. You know, it's not, it's not that easy, but I digress. Okay. Um, my other uh, Easter egg is um, when Rhodey is talking to Nebula and Nebula mentions how she wasn't always like this because, you know, she's using her robot parts to, to do stuff. And um, Don Cheadle says, neither was I, but you work with what you got, which I think is a direct reference to him being played by a different character or different actor. Oh, my goodness. Is that is that what that is? It's, it is to me. <laughs> That's hilarious. Well, because I saw that as another and maybe I'm grasping at straws here, but I saw that as more of a. Uh, a call out to um, the differently abled. Like it's a kind sure. of an encouraging message. You know, it's like you might be in a wheelchair, you might have a prosthetic leg, but that doesn't make you less than anybody else. You work with what you've got. Especially when you, when you like are best friends with Tony Stark and he just fixes your legs. So that yeah. doesn't even matter. It is. So you don't have to deal with your disability ever. He does have to wear like the legs <laughs> things, but yeah, essentially he just walked. I, I tried to pay attention to that the second time I was watching. I was like, how is he walking? Like, and it looks like he's just walking totally normally. You yeah, know, that's easier. <laughs> it's not like he has like his legs are always straight or something like, like where it's like mechanized it just seems like he's walking and he has glowing dots on his on his legs so uh but i maybe i'm grasping at straws but i felt like that was a hopeful message towards the differently able to be able to be like you know what even superheroes are like you and even you could be played by don Cheadle one day <laughs> which is i mean that's the most hopeful message i've ever heard so um I, I thought that was nice but okay let's move on to our quotable moments and normally on affable chat we rip the audio straight from the movie and play it so it sounds nice in your ears unfortunately this movie is still in theaters and we don't have access to that so we're going to be doing our own little uh, quotes here and i think you've got the first one joey Please know when I drift off and be like everything lately, I'm fine. Perfectly fine. This is when uh, Tony is recording his message, his last message to Pepper. Um, and he's like, this is kind of his resignation. You know, he's like, I've failed and now I don't know what to do. And But just know that everything's going to be okay. I mean, this is obviously kind of a setup for his death at the end, right? When he uh, drifts off and becomes like everything else. Um, but I don't know. I thought that was a, a nice, powerful moment, and it just kind of sets the tone that Robbie Downey Jr.'s character uh, follows through with this whole movie of being kind of solemn and tortured. Yeah, I mean, Iron Man's definitely a very powerful character, but he does a lot of dangerous stuff. There's many times in Tony's life where he wasn't sure if he was going to come back, and this is the most dangerous one of all. So, sure. um, you know, it, it definitely makes sense that he would want to have this message and go out like that. Yeah. All right, next one. I use the stones to destroy the stones. Do you like my Thanos voice? That's a great Thanos voice. Thank you. I'm calling it now. This is going to be a meme. This is, a, this is one of the top memes coming out of this movie. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm making a prediction right oh, here, right I'm now. I'm so glad you brought that up because PewDiePie <laughs> actually brought that up uh, in his last meme review where oh, yeah? it was like 
Thanos says anything, and it's like memers, and it's SpongeBob and Patrick. Like SpongeBob's looking through binoculars, <laughs> and Patrick's got glasses on and a notepad, and SpongeBob's like, "Write that down, write that down." Like, the <laughs> memers, like the professional memers, were definitely taking note of everything Thanos said because he was gonna. There's gonna be memes. Yeah, I'm so ready for it. I'm calling it now. <laughs> so you're calling this particular line? Yes. Okay. Because it's so cheesy. <laughs> I use the stones to destroy the stones. Okay. <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing that as a meme. If you see it, you gotta let me know, and we'll let the listeners know as well. I'll just end up making my own if I don't see any. <laughs> <laughs> Look what I found. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Make sure you deep fry it so it seems like it really came from the depths of the internet. Um, okay. Let's. Uh, I've got the next quote, which this is more of an approximate quote. I, I'm not sure if this is exactly it, but it's essentially. I don't judge people by their worst moments, which is said by Black Widow to Robin Hood. I mean, Hawkeye. And he, <laughs> that was a terrible Black Widow voice, I have to say. I can't do it. Yeah, I'm terrible at impressions. But basically, this is such a perfect line for her to deliver because if everyone is judged by their worst moments, she would never be where she is now. Yeah, well, that's what that's what they said right after this, right? I don't judge people by their worst moments. And uh, Hawkeye says, maybe you should. And she says to him, you didn't. Right. In reference to herself. Yes, this was, I like this uh, thing a whole, a lot. You know, it was like, we are who we are because of the people around us, uh, because of the people that built us up. Yeah. Awesome. And especially in our cancel culture that we have going on right now, I think it's important to remember this sometimes where, you know, someone's had a pretty normal, respectable career and then they said something that, doesn't work anymore on twitter 11 years ago maybe that shouldn't define who they are right maybe we shouldn't judge everyone by their worst moments so that's true um but it was a great line especially for uh natasha romanoff so uh i like that a lot okay next next quote so this is when all the or when wong is and uh Doctor Strange and all the wizards are opening up the portals and everyone shows back up and it's super epic and Steve Rogers gets up in front of them and he's like, Avengers, assemble. And he grabs the hammer. Yes, super cool. I mean, this line is right on the edge of very cheesy, but in the yes. moment when you're, first, especially the first time you're seeing this movie, it, every it, your mind is just being totally blown, and it's it's great, especially because this is actually a line from Captain America, like from the comic books. So it is this, what better time to deliver it than now? Yeah, and it is really it's super epic, and having everything come through that was really the most emotionally, like that was the the emotional climax for me, having everyone show up again in in uh you know, just in time. I thought that was so awesome. Um, and yeah, this line kind of solidifies it, especially with, with him bearing Molnir in the other hand, within his shield in the other hand. It's awesome. So just, yeah, an epic. And I'm totally taking the chain, like the, uh, the restraints off of the word epic because I just want to, this movie is the embodiment of it epicness. Is, no, yeah, I'm, I usually have problems with the word epic, but this movie def is by definition epic. Like you can call it an epic so I'm I'm gonna let you I'm gonna let this one slide. It's That's epic, dude. Ben Shapiro is gonna be listening to the podcast and being like, "This is the best podcast I've now, ever heard." This is epic. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, okay. Now n next quote, and this is Thanos speaking to Tony Stark. He says, yeah, "Do it." I am inevitable. I am Iron Man. <laughs> <laughs> which it's it's so hard i think this is another one where it gets dangerously close to being just ridiculously cheesy but 
11 years of building up a character will uh, give you the power to deliver a line like this and go over extremely well. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, it's obvi- this is an obvious callback to the last line of Iron Man, right? When he, he like, redefines the superhero origin movie and, and goes against form, against, and, you know, it's a subversion, right? And he says, he reveals to the world that he is Iron Man, setting up the MCU for an epic conclusion which happens here in this movie so yeah that it was appropriate i thought which also just yeah having i think we were all wondering who's gonna kill thanos and having it be iron man maybe you're like oh that's so obvious but at the same time it's it's so perfect who better to bring it to a conclusion than tony stark so yeah I, i am iron man goes down as like one of my favorite quotes from this film it's time for me to stop being who i'm supposed to be and be who i am Okay, this was this is a this was set up with um, Thor and his mom, right? Uh, he has that moment with his mom in the past, and she comforts him for being fat and tells him to eat a salad. Um, and got him. Then he's and then he's talking to Valkyrie, and he he says this line: um, "Is this like this is actually makes sense? Like, it's time for me to stop being who I'm supposed to be and be who I am. Like, is this in this like a recipe for resignation?" You mean like stop? You're just like stop self improving. You know, just be yeah. who you are. Be yeah. fat and drink uh drink your craft beers from uh, yeah from Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I I don't know. Um, uh, for me, it, it feels like more of a plot device to say th- we want to do like obviously Thor needs to be in Guardians of the Galaxy, so this is his yeah, justification. As of the Galaxy, yes. Which is also, I mean, how perfect is that? <laughs> So, uh, but I think you're right. I, I don't know if I can exactly figure out what the literal meaning is of this. It, like, it's one of those things that sounds better than it really is. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, thinking about it, I don't, I don't get anything from it, but it, you're right. It just sounds good. So It definitely you know. justifies his, his actions. I guess. I mean, it makes him feel better. <laughs> or, I mean, but in the, I mean, I in guess the end, he is who he is supposed to be, I guess, right? I mean, he's, he was king of Asgard for a while. Right, but it's maybe it's also just like doing what you want as opposed to like what other people are telling you to do. I mean, he was born into this, and sure. and it's it's it doesn't maybe he's not good at it. I don't know if he really resisted ruling people. I think that he felt a big responsibility, and maybe that he had failed in that responsibility. But I don't remember Thor ever being like, "Oh, being the king is the worst," you know. But I do it because mm-hmm. I have to. So I I don't know. It, it doesn't doesn't work perfectly for me. But as far as his his actions as a result of this motivation. I think those make sense. Sure. Okay. Last quote. And this one's totally, uh, just for the, for, for the giggles. When Thor climbs on board the guardians of the galaxy ship ship and sees Groot, he's like tree. Good to see you. Which still (laughs) makes me laugh that he refers to Groot as tree because literally all Groot ever says is his name, but Thor still just calls him tree. (laughs) ah <laughs> uh, yes he's gonna be so good in those movies i can't wait uh, that's so funny all right that wraps up our quote section joey i believe you know what time it is it is time for us to go a little deeper okay so the first thing i want to say is like i really enjoyed this movie i thought it was so awesome so epic i loved building up to it and seeing it here but i'm i'm done like you're I'm done free. I'm free. 
I don't have to watch any more Marvel movies. I don't have to go to the theaters anymore. Maybe I'll watch them that come out on Netflix or something, but I want to end on a high note. Like, I want to say, I'm done with this. I'm pushing it out, you know? Like, I, I am satisfied. I don't need any more scratching my itch. I'll go back and watch the whole thing again, but I won't, I'm not going to participate in the Marvel Cinematic Universe like I have been the last 11 years. Not even for Spider-Man? Eh, no. I'm not that interested. Wow. I wish I could say the same thing. I'm still hooked. <laughs> Although you do bring up a good point. There is so much MCU that already exists that's worth revisiting. I don't, you know, it, it, I only have so much time to watch things. And I, and I desperately, I desperately want to go back and watch these movies again, especially right now after just seeing this one. So, um, yeah, I think you bring up a good point. Um, part of the things that's so great about this is it is a conclusion. But now what? What, what are we going to wait another 11 years for something like this to happen? I'll just see other movies, you know? There's good movies coming out all the time that get regulated to the side because the epic superhero movie is coming out. So, I don't know. I mean, I don't go to the theater as much as I used to. And uh, I don't know. I'm just... I have I have been satiated. I am, I am done. They told me what was going to happen. It happened. And I'm good. Like, I want to end while I'm still happy. I don't want to quit when I see something bad. And I'm like, ah, you know, this, these aren't for me anymore. You know, I don't want to be disappointed. I feel the same way about Star Wars. Like... This next Star Wars is coming out this year, right? Episode nine. Yep. I'm after that. I'm free. I'm done. I don't have to see any more Star Wars movies in theaters. You know, I I, I, I don't. I'm not invested anymore. Yeah, no, I I think that's definitely. It's easier to do that when they stop making the movies. <laughs> it is, but I also like I paid my dues. You know, like I've given Marvel so much of my money already. Like I need to, I need to step back. I need to step back and let it be. Yeah, you know? no, I think that's great. I, I I don't know if I can say the same thing or do the same thing, but I, I almost wish I had that kind of willpower because I, <laughs> I'm, I am worried that the next thing won't be as good. Do you know if the Russo brothers are still going to be like the, the main guys? Well, the main guy is really Kevin Feige. He's the guy who set all this up. He's the executive producer for all the whole all these movies. Um, I'm sure they'll come back for some big things because they kind of are the the epitome of like superhero team up movies. They've done all of those. But um, I don't know. I mean, we'll see. But yeah, I, I really, that's one of the things that, that's how I felt when Star Wars got announced that they're going to make more of them. My initial reaction was, oh no, they're going to ruin yeah. it because that we've seen it so many times. And I, I, I changed my tune as it got closer because I, I was just excited about seeing a Star Wars movie in theaters. Obviously, I saw the prequels when I was a kid, but I was just, I was just a kid. And being able mm -hmm. to witness like the, and we talked about this on our episodes we've done on star wars but like that's still something that i wanted to see but it wasn't worth it the price was too much because now i look back on the entirety of star wars with a little bit of regret and say dang sure. this would have been so nice to leave it alone so yeah i think yeah it would be nice if this was truly the end of the mcu but who knows maybe there's heights that they're they still have yet to achieve and um i think i'm gonna I'll let someone else tell me about it and then i'll catch up i'll tell you dude <laughs> i'll let you know thanks uh <laughs> At least Spider-Man. I'm sticking around for Spider-Man. He's my okay. guy. Uh, and I, I definitely have to see his new movies. So, uh, But I, I think that's an interesting perspective. And, I, and if there's ever a point to ditch the MCU, it is now. So we'll see if what happens. If people can stick around or if they just say that, like you, this is it. Okay. Um, one of the things that was super interesting about this movie that I also think... It's going to be tough to deal with moving forward is time travel. Because time travel can break your universe real quick. Be oh, yeah. Because nothing matters anymore if you can just reverse time and go undo it. Kind of. <laughs> 
because they deal with time travel in kind of a unique way here that I think I think it's really cool. They disprove kind of all time travel in movies, right? They say that all these other movies couldn't happen. They don't make sense. Yeah. I mean, in the real... Okay. I'm making a video about time travel and about how this movie fits into it. Suffice it to say, this movie does time travel really, really well. And the reason it does that is because it makes... It turns it into a multiverse, which is, I think, consistent with how the comics do it, although I've never read any of them. But from talking to other people who have read them, this is consistent with that. And essentially what this means is that when you go back in time, you create a branch alternate reality, and then those the consequences of that reality like go off into their own universe. But the original timeline like doesn't get affected. It doesn't get there's nothing nothing happens to that one. You can just and if your time machine is correctly set up, you can move between timelines and then you can end up back where you started without facing the consequences of your actions in the past. That makes sense? Yeah, okay. So I have a few questions that I, I want to explore, and I think through answering these questions, it'll help us to better understand this concept. Sure. Because I think you did a good job explaining it there, uh, but it is kind of complicated. So let's, let's talk about what are the repercussions of Loki escaping with the Tesseract from 2012? None. None? <laughs> well, okay, it depends, okay? Depends on what you're talking about. On our original timeline, Right, the timeline that we're following for the entirety of the MCU, nothing. That this is the, the Loki es- escaping with the Tesseract is not part of that timeline. It's part of a different timeline, one where there's two Captain Americas fighting each other in a, in an elevator or on a hallway or something, and and uh, Iron Man and Ant Man are back in time too. All of those you know things, those that all those events happen in a different timeline, and Loki escaping with the Space Stone also a different timeline. And you can see this because. Loki is locked up in Asgard in, during the events of Thor 2. You can see that clearly in this movie. The way they cut it, it's clever because they actually show that first before they show him escaping, even though the escaping technically happens before that. But this, again, proves my point because Thor went back to the, to the original timeline and branched off from there, right? Stealing his own hammer from himself. And yet when he comes back <laughs> to return it, right, it's all going to be fine because it's all going to line back up. There's going to be a little bit of wrinkle in there and it's going to have some consequences down the line, but you don't see any of those. You only follow one timeline in this. Okay. That makes sense? No, it makes perfect sense because, and I think I can answer my own next question here because when I saw, when Nebula gets shot by herself in when it's like the standoff between Nebula, Gamora, and alternate past Nebula, when she shoots herself, I was like, oh, it's time for the Marty McFly moment where Nebula's like, oh no, like I can't play the guitar anymore. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm fading away. But that's not what happens at all because this is an alternate timeline Nebula. And the Nebula that shot Nebula is fine because she, her past is still there. That's right. That's exactly right. Okay. So my final question, which now that I am getting a firmer grasp on this, uh, when I wrote these questions... I hadn't thought about it for very long. So uh, they might seem simple, but that, that's what I do. Right, I, I think about this stuff a lot. <laughs> right out of the movie. I was definitely had some big questions about this, but the ancient one, the ancient one realizes that she has to give away the time stone. But of course she knows that by giving it away or when she gives it away, that it will be returned. Should they succeed from her perspective? Wouldn't it seem like she gives the time stone to the Hulk and then as soon as the Hulk leaves, Captain America shows up and gives it right back? Essentially, yes. Okay. Which I think... But the, the, but the time between that and then is like very 
tense, right? Because if she if if they don't show back up, then something terrible could happen because because the stones aren't there. I just, right? I think that would be a really cool scene to be able to see from the ancient one's perspective. You know, she just maybe they'll do that. They do sometimes do like um, Marvel shorts, so maybe they'll just show her him disappearing and then her sitting there for five seconds, and then Captain America shows up. <laughs> I don't know. That'd be kind of clever. Um, but like, I don't know. I do like that idea because and and they, I I feel like my theory is supported by the text because um, uh, Bruce tells. Uh, Captain America that he has to return the stones to prevent some nasty alternative realities from showing up and Cap says he'll clip the branches branches and alternate realities and alternate timelines and stuff don't exist in other theories of time travel they only exist in multiverses and so therefore it must be a multiverse I love multiverses Um, multiverses are the best of everything because you can go back in time and change things without without drastically changing your own past plus there's infinite possibilities there's infinite possibilities. Yes. Right. So in this, in the MCU, there exists a alternate reality where Captain America isn't America's ass. That's right. <laughs> what a what a like really depressing reality that would be. <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness we have the reality that we do, where it's it's definitely a pair of buns that I can salute uh, very patriotically. I I had to bring that up. I, I was afraid we were going to miss it, uh, but that was a hilarious line as well, and it's getting memed all over the place. Very, very low-hanging fruit meme, but a good meme nonetheless. One other thing I want to talk about is the, like, the meta-narrative, I guess, the box office numbers for this movie. It's like literally so incredible. This movie, its opening day, like gross, is the highest like ever by like twice as much as the most like recent. Who did it beat out? Like it beat out the other one. Really? Oh my gosh. So it so in uh the biggest worldwide openings on record, um second place. Was it okay? See, third place is the Fate of Theorius with five hundred forty-one million. Then second place is Avengers: Affinity War with six hundred forty million. Avengers: Endgame, one point two two three billion. Goodness, it's like doubled billion. Most, <laughs> yeah, it's so crazy, and like it's already what the sixth. It's the sixth biggest movie ever. And it's only been out for like a week. Wow. Like it's already made enough money to be in sixth place of the like, it's like Avatar, Titanic, Star Wars, The Force Awakens, Avengers, Infinity War, Jurassic World, then Avengers Endgame. Wow. (laughs) And I'm sure it'll, I'm sure it will overtake those other films before it's it's all said and done. All of these records. I just watched this video. There's this really great channel on uh, YouTube that talks about box office numbers, uh, charting with Dan. If you look that up, it's on fandom. But they uh, they did a whole thing about they do this every week on Mondays. They talk about the box office numbers. Here, let me show show you. Let me read out some of the um, some of the accolades this movie has. Highest opening weekend of all time domestic. Highest opening weekend of all time worldwide. Highest purse theater average of all time for like a worldwide. So normally when you have a movie that's released in a lot of theaters, it's spread out pretty thin. And, but this movie made like seventy seven, I think seventy six thousand dollars per theater oh. that it was released in. The highest domestic opening weekend market share. So it had ninety percent of all money spent in the box office this week went to this movie. Wow. Uh. Okay. Um, yeah. Actually, I, <laughs> I walked out of my theater and there, they had like a display for Shazam, and I just like 
openly laughed. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine going to see Shazam this weekend? Right now, yeah. <laughs> like, the DC stands, like, going there, they're like, I, I don't need to see Avengers. I'm going to go see Shazam again. <laughs> no way. None of those people exist. <laughs> it's also the first film to ever gross at $1 billion worldwide in its opening weekend. The real test is going to be, if it, like... What I really want to happen, I'm so like I feel so invested in this because I went and saw this movie on opening day. I'm like, I want this to be number one. I want this to be number one. If the only reason, okay, the biggest challenge it will have to defeating Avatar is staying relevant. Avatar had the advantage that like nothing really came out after it. It was like it came out like late December, so then it had mostly January, and everything's dumped in January, so nothing good comes out then. So. It had a lot of staying power because there was nothing else in the theater. It was a big, big event. A lot of people saw it in 3D. It just, it like, everything kind of went right for that movie. This movie has a lot of things to compete with. In a couple of weeks, detect, mm, excuse me, in det- a couple of weeks, in a couple of weeks, Detective Pikachu comes out, which will be a big hit worldwide because Pokemon is a huge brand. And then, of course, there's other, the other superhero movies that are coming out too. So the, the other theory is that this movie is very heavily front-loaded because a lot of people are coming to see it the day of or like the weekend of or the first two weeks because obviously they don't want spoilers, um, which kind of shows that people really care, I guess, because it, they wouldn't like care about spoilers unless they wanted to see the movie. But obviously it's been such a huge thing. I think a lot of people are trying to see it early. So the real test is going to be see how much the drop off is next week. But um, so far, it's already like it's not just beaten the last record. It's just like absolutely stepped on and crushed it. It's like a giant. It's like it grew really to a big size and then punched a giant snake in the face, which was Avengers Infinity War, and then stepped on Black Dwarf or whatever his name oh, is. Oh, yeah. Um, that, that's exactly what happened. Great. I, oh, I understood that reference. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I understood that reference. <laughs> Oh my gosh. That's amazing. I'm really glad you brought that up. I didn't know. I knew it did well, but not. I mean, this is that's monumental. Everything about this yeah. movie is monumental. Actually, that's epic. Okay. <laughs> I think it's time to end this podcast. It is time to end this podcast and let's do our ratings. And I'm I'm going to go first. I give this movie all the infinity stones. I think that this movie is unbelievably epic, just unbelievable unbelievably powerful. Something of this magnitude coming together it's just i'm just happy to be alive when it happened i can't wait to flex on future generations and be like ha ha you didn't get to see this when i first Uh, came out back in my day we had the mcu you even know what that is (laughs) yeah have you even seen it (laughs) like now every movie comes out with 20 sequels but back then this was groundbreaking (laughs) um and i think that there's no better way to award it than to give it all the infinity stones and ultimate power I give this movie a month of binging in my late 40s. Nice. <laughs> Definitely worth the rewatch. I, I'm jonesing to start from the beginning and see it again, but I just I don't have that kind of time right now. It would take such a long time. Yeah, and especially because there's movies that I need to revisit, like the Thor movies. Definitely did not give them any respect back in the day. Yeah. And, uh, they, might, I, I, they might not deserve it. But, <laughs> but at least I want to give them another look with a critical eye ah. and uh, decide for myself. But there you have it. Our episode on Avengers Endgame. And I, we've waited so long. And I'm just, again, I'm just and happy And finally, this review is here. So Yeah, and, had- this, is, this is truly what people were waiting for, was the affable chat about Avengers Endgame. And here it is. Now you can celebrate. You're welcome. Because you finally heard it, right? Oh, my God. Uh, Joey, what's next on affable chat? Next thing we're doing is Minecraft. 
Yes, our second video game episode. Minecraft means a lot to me. I've played this game for years, and Joey is the same. Yes, I love this game. So we're going to be forward to it. We're going to be talking about it. We're going to be playing it. We're going to do a whole thing on Minecraft. So even if you're not a gamer, I think you're going to want to join us for this next episode. Uh, It's going to be great. But there we have it. This is the end of the episode. So let's end it here. (laughs) For Affable Chat, I'm Benjamin. And I'm Joey. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Affable Chat. We're available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review. We would really appreciate it. If you have a question, comment, or want to request something for us to talk about, you can reach us at our Twitter account, at AffableChat, or our email, affablechat at gmail.com. Once again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.